and maybe sometimes you say something a little wild. I've said things and then been like, no, I'm never fucking doing that. You know, <laughs> I literally <laughs> like just... say something during sex. And then you're like, that was just in the moment. That's never happened. <laughs> I did not mean that that was performance. Okay. <laughs> that was performance. But it gives him a chance to ask like, you know, like, would you be really into that? So I think using sex as a tool for future sex conversations is good. Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo, and I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. This is a special episode because I am speaking with the horny housewife and she's super fun, funny, direct, just we bounced all over the place topic wise, but just a lot of sexy, fun topics. Her name is Jordan and she is a sex expert and host of the horny housewife, which is a raunchy sex and marriage podcast with honest insights into sex and the ups and downs of marriage and long term relationships. Her advice goes beyond the typical tips and tricks, offering willing listeners an experience both hilarious and informative. Jordan and I just, like I said, had a conversation that was super chill. Um, it was funny. We covered some topics that a lot of you guys struggle with, and Jordan gave some new insights to these topics. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode from the horny housewife and the horny apartment girlfriend. <laughs> Jordan, welcome to the show. Horny housewife. I'm so excited Hi. you're here. I am so glad you had me. I think we're going to have a really awesome combo. Yes, I do too. I think it's going to be very explicit and inappropriate, or at least that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what they're all here for. Just based on your title, like I've came across your podcast multiple times um, before, you know, we, we decided to do this. So I just think it's really exciting because I'm like, oh my God, I like always saw her and I always thought it was the best title, The Horny Housewife. Oh, thank you. I love the alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> the double H. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it does throw people off. Like when people, I don't like being asked. Do you like being asked what you do for a living? Or do you? I, you don't care? I do, but I know it's going to open up this whole conversation. And then, so if I'm tired or something, I'm like, oh man, can I just lie? <laughs> yeah. Or you could say like freelance marketing. You could, I, I try to think of all different kind of ways, like, like just pick apart some one tiny little thing you do in there and just name it that if you're tired or something. But yeah, I had no idea until recently that you were a sexologist. So I think that's really interesting. Oh. I listened to your 300th episode and you're very fun to listen to. So I think our audiences are going to like each other. Oh, cool. I love it. Yeah. Cause I thought the same thing about you. I was like, oh, her energy is so good. And I think that makes such a difference, especially when you're talking about sex or educating around sex, because there are way too many sex educators who are like super serious. And yeah. like, you know, it just adds to the whole problem about 
you know, all these sex concerns is like people take it way too seriously and that just creates more shame and like embarrassment. Or like, just, yeah, you know. disinterest and even wanting to talk yeah. about it because you're like, well, if it's a boring podcast, it's, you know, hard to just stay into it. But a lot of people kind of avoid the conversation because maybe they have like preconceived notions about how their partner's going to react or they're so used to it being one way and they're like, this probably won't go well for me, but I always say it's like worth taking the risk because I've heard a lot of good feedback from people that were like, I didn't think this was going to go well. And I shared with my significant other a fantasy or a desire or something I was into. And I had no idea they were going to take it. And they were horrified a little bit. Actually, one person said, but the person was mature and processed it and like sat with it. And the ideal happened and she was like super freaking into it eventually. Mm -hmm. So I know that's the best case scenario, but I hope it inspires people to go for it. Take the risk. Totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned that because there are too many people who have had previous bad experiences in their sex life and they, they had so many like more bad experiences than good. And they continue that that continues to happen because of how they approach conversations, right? Like right. If you go into a conversation feeling really nervous or feeling like, like this is going to go horrible. Chances are it will Probably because will. you're going <laughs> to shut down, you know, like you're not going to enjoy having it. This guy who was like, I'm so afraid to, to, to have to talk about our sex life and talk about this. I was like, have you ever thought it could be fun? Like it could actually yeah. be fun. And he was like, Whoa, I never, I never really did. Like, that's ridiculous. That I didn't, but yeah. I didn't. It's the power of perspective, right? Because if we like could change the lens that in which we look at it, it'll change the whole experience. And maybe that sounds corny wording it like that, but I mean, I've applied that to my life and it's been true. Just changing my attitude about a situation and you're like, fuck yeah, that feels way better. Yeah. And the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really anything. Um, so tell me, how did you get into doing what you're doing? Yeah. How'd you come up with the name? <laughs> I, I, me and my husband were talking about, cause I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I feel like I'd been talking about it for a while and I lost my mom shortly after my 30th birthday. I feel like that's like a, a Debbie downer, but that is totally pro if she had still been alive. I just feel like I wouldn't have started the podcast. I feel mm -hmm. like I would have probably held back and been like, what is my mom going to think? You know what I mean? And she's was very like, I, I got this side of me from her. You know, she, she was very uh, in tune with herself, a confident woman. I think I was fortunate to have two parents that were like very, uh, it was evident they intentionally chose one another. Does that make sense? Like, obviously they had ups and downs and like married, like they're married 34 years. Of course they had like shit, but they weren't like some people where I would go to sleepovers and I'm like, they fucking hate each other or they don't sleep in the same bed or, you know, a lot of people that just stay together. And I, and I'm not shame, like shitting on that. There's people for whatever reasons choose to do whatever they want to do. But I do feel like I had it, I had it nice, like a nice example of like, Ooh, this is what a nice relationship could look like where you choose each other over and over. And they seem to be enjoying one another, which as their daughter, that's weird, but I would go in their drawers and be Snoopy. And I would just find like, just like so many sex toys and so many things. I'm like, ew, but like growing <laughs> up, I was like, Oh, they were, they were having fun with each other. So I think it was, this is just my personality. And after she passed, I was like, life is short. I 
don't think I just want to be a stay at home mom and a wife forever. And I was like, maybe I'll get into real estate or maybe I'll do. And I was like, why don't I do something for myself that I really enjoy? And I like to talk a lot. As you can tell, I like to talk. And so I'm like, let's start a podcast. And it basically just kind of snowballed. I started it. I was like, I'm gonna talk about sex and my POV. And I've got lots of good stories. And I do have a story per se that I've never told really. And I think one day I will, but in the beginning, I think I was like, oh, I'll start. And then my story will come out. And then it kind of evolved into more about my audience, which Mm -hmm. they would start writing in. And so now my show is like answering listener questions and then doing a segment about something in regards to sex. And it's just taken off from there. Oh, that's so great. Good for you for like, yeah, sharing. And the name just kind of came. Yeah. I think my husband actually thought of it. I don't want, I don't want to 100% give him credit, but I was going to ask, how does your husband feel about it? He's so, he's so supportive of it. That is the, I mean, the most ideal thing I could hope for. Right. Because like, I get the most disgusting DMS sometimes, like I get unsolicited pictures of men's dick that I don't want, but I, you know, I say that I'm like, please don't send me that disgusting picture that I didn't ask. Not that anyone's dicks are disgusting, but if you didn't ask for it, it's like, you want to go around and just take your pants off with the context. It's disgusting because it's like, (laughs) I didn't want this. <laughs> yeah. I just opened my phone at dinner with my family and now, now Instagram blurs, you have to tap it. Yeah. But I, I like sometimes I do. One time I screenshot it with his name. Cause he was like married. He's like him and his wife are in the picture. Maybe they have an open relationship. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're polyamorous. I don't know, but I uh, screenshotted it and I put it on my stories and I, but I blurred it out and I was like, I don't want these. And I haven't gotten one since then. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. That was a good way. I really haven't gotten many dick pics. I think I got like two <laughs> in my five years doing this. So I feel very blessed and fortunate. Hashtag blessing. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to go, she needs some. Ooh, she needs some. Go get her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no that's no. funny. Um, yeah, but but that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're both doing this. I want to talk about just like the, well, let's start with like the biggest sex concerns that you hear that people want addressed yeah. on your show. I'm curious hear your side. Oh, well, the biggest one I think is mismatched libido. Cause it seems like there's always somebody like, I mean, you work with people, right? Don't you hear like a common, like I want it more than they do. Yeah. yeah. Or they want it way more than I do. And it's like, I don't know what you, I feel like you would have a more qualified expert answer to give than I would. I just feel like, I mean, you have to communicate about sex. So you have to talk about it. They don't, we're not mind readers. That's a terrible thing to expect your spouse to read your mind because they certainly need help. But I, I think there's a stigma of like it generally being the man that wants it more than the woman. And I do feel bad for those ladies like myself who feel like they're the higher libido spouse. So they exist too. So I like to save space for them. And cause there's like all kinds of factors for women. It could be, they just had kids or, and their hormones are all fucked up or they're depressed or their jobs demanding. They're just tired because they're human beings a man might have low testosterone or, you know, he might be stressed and his cortisone levels are taking the blood flow from his dick. There's all kinds of things that could be going on. So I think just talking about it is the only way to get on some sort of trajectory of having more sex or compromising 
or talking to someone like you or a sex therapist or something. And uh, is that your number one issue? That's the number one thing I hear. I mean, that's, yeah, when it comes from a communication standpoint, it's, that's definitely the main issue. And, you know, just the the fact that I work with all men, it's all the guys being like, I want it, she doesn't. Um, Or, you know, it might even be like, I want it, but I can't, I have trouble initiating because of the dick concerns I've been having recently. Performance anxiety. Yeah. So like, it's, it's huge. And because they, they have like these bad experiences, they have trouble initiating, um, Mm -hmm. that's another big, you know? Yeah. It's almost like a crazy cycle because it's like once the one bad thing happens or like say performance anxiety and he like couldn't get his dick up and she was like so gorgeous and he went to fuck her so bad. And he was like, and she's like, wow, is this happening? You know, like getting upset, taking it personally. And it's like this little trauma for him and his penis. (laughs) Big trauma for his penis. (laughs) I'm thinking of stories now where like, I've been the mean person to that person. And now looking back, you're like, oh man, I perpetuated the, the, the bad like, cycle. I ruined this man's life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like one little comment. Don't realize, oh my God. Life over. But really they take it with them. And that's, uh, so what, I'm totally reversed the interview, but I want to know what do you tell, <laughs> I have to know, <laughs> what do you tell women to do like how I want to know for me now, I want to know, what do you tell men to hype them up if they have performance anxiety problems? If a guy's experiencing that, how can a woman be supportive? Like, how can she not be a bitch? Mm. Well, I think like, give me an example of like what he's doing where she would have to react. Like say a guy is aroused and horny and his dick's hard. And then the second he goes to take his clothes off, maybe he gets anxious or anxiety. And now he's starting to dwindle down. And how could she, instead of him getting in his head, because once he starts getting in his head, he's fucked. And it takes like a long, grueling, unattractive process. How does a girl like help him? (laughs) Um, I would say for, because our natural, um, what happens with a lot of women is like our natural tendency is to feel like, oh, I'm not attractive because he lost his erection or like, you know, like we, we always tend to see the worst. Like when something goes wrong, we kind of like go in that panic state. And then our frame of mind goes into like a panic frame of mind. So yeah. it's kind of like, oh, like he's not turned on enough by me. So now I'm going to say him to, to, you know, just defend myself and feel better about myself. So like yeah. our natural tendency is to say something to like either call it out or make a face or be like, are you okay? Or like, you know, just yeah. kind of like make it worse, essentially. Totally. And it, it it's, worse. it's not helpful to anyone. I think if we can take that mature route and way of looking at it, um, we can look from a more effective standpoint of thinking like, all right, like he's, he's clearly nervous. Um, mm-hmm. He's really turned on by me. So he's clearly nervous. You yeah. know, taking that other frame of mind where it's like, hey, do you want to just like make out in the bed for a little bit? And or like, Hey, how about we, how about we play with this new toy I got? Like, can you massage me with it? So it's kind of like noticing that he's in a situation and, you know, asking herself, how can I help him out? You know, like getting him present probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, we have to think of each other as like sexual teammates, whether we're in it for life and like a long-term relationship, or if we're just casually fucking, like we're still Mm -hmm. like, sexual we're still in it together you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you're still my partner in this moment so 
what can I let's do to make it enjoyable? Experience? Yeah. Yeah. Like let's make it pleasurable. So why am I going to ruin it for the two of us when I could help us, you know? Yeah. So I completely I think, agree. Yeah. I like to look, look through that lens. And I like what you said too, about compromise, because I think a lot of people assume that, um, I mean, they do, they do assume that, oh, it has to be my way or your way. And like, this is yeah. why it's not working. And it's like, what if it wasn't really any of your ways, 100%, but you found a way to meet in the middle where you both had to just Our, make a little yeah. sacrifice, yeah. you know, like, would that be that, that hard, you know, just a little willingness. You just need a little willingness mm-hmm. and open-mindedness. And then you never know what could come of it. I think that, especially with like fantasy exploration or desires or kinks and like saving that space for your partner to be able to share. That's another huge part of the listener questions. The original question you asked me what people ask me most. And it's like, I'm really into this and I don't know how to share it or, mm-hmm. or we're, we're both into it, but we don't know, like, how do we get started trying this? Or maybe the thought of another person in the bedroom arouses us. And we don't really want to go try this in real life is this weird? Are we not normal? It's like, no, you're totally fucking normal. And you can do so many great things with that without like calling Susie. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think there's yeah. just the conversation and people, it seems like people desperately want to share about what's going on back. In, like Because a lot of people still don't want to talk about it, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. What would you advise someone to do in that scenario when it comes to communicating or like, like what if someone didn't want to talk, if they, if, if you were to encourage someone in that situation to like bring it up to their significant other, like how would you have them approach it? Right. Okay. I think timing delivery. I say that a lot in my podcast is super important because you can really fuck that up. If you come at it from either like, don't, don't be a dumbass or be, be a little thoughtful and intentional on when you're going to have this conversation. That's a nicer way to say it. Whether, and I don't know whether it's husband going, partner going to partner, whoever's going to whoever. And I think I always personally, my opinion, I think pillow talk post-sex for me as a woman, I feel if I've climaxed and we don't come every time, but if I've had great sex and, and we're there together, I think that's a wonderful time to get vulnerable about what else I'd like to do together. And like, this was so much fun. And I get to praise my partner and like, tell him this felt so good. And I loved this part and this, oh, you know what I was thinking about when I climaxed, like tell it, like kind of opening up a little, and then that could lead to another conversation. And I don't know about men and their post nut clarity. If maybe they're like, not wanting to have this conversation or not but for ladies wanting to talk to men I think when you're turning them on and arousing them and teasing them and we're building up that that's the good time to get some it's like a little truth serum or maybe a little horny kinky serum is that's got the juices going on. So I always feel like it's nice because then maybe sometimes you say something a little wild. I've said things and then been like no, I'm never fucking doing that. You know, <laughs> I literally <laughs> like just... say something during sex. And then you're like, that was just in the moment. That's never happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. but... I'm like, can we rewind? I never do that. 
I did not mean that. That was performance. Okay. That was <laughs> but it gives him a chance to ask, like, you know, like, would you be really into that? So I think using sex as a tool for future sex conversations is good. But then also there's like, we get more balls behind uh, the, you know, like trolls are really ballsy behind a computer screen. I feel like people are ballsier via text. You can't tell tone. It's a little, it's a chance to like sense something and not have like a live reaction, you know? So text them, be, you know, be a pussy and text them. (laughs) (laughs) Take the pussy route. Go ahead. (laughs) And just leave that little egg there and see what they do with it. I know I always encourage people though, to, if your partner does that and comes to you, like, be nice. Like, don't, mm. don't laugh in their face. If you think it's really fucking weird. I'm the person that you would read my face right away. <laughs> and he would know like, Oh, she's not into that. Or she is. But I think that we should save space and don't yuck anyone's yum. Mm. I like yeah. that. Don't yuck yum. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause it's, it does that, that after sex space really is the most vulnerable space. So I, I agree with you where I, I tell my clients as well. Um, and I talk about this in my podcast, like have a couple questions to ask right after sex, where it's like, what was best for you? And you know, what maybe didn't love so much and what would you want to try next time? Like, those are always three questions you can go to. If you want to pick one or all three, if it's on occasion, you know, Mm -hmm. just to like keep communication around your sex life. And the easiest time to communicate about your sex life is right after you had sex. Like, so it's just that easiest time and run with it and use it, take advantage of it so that you keep conversations going and they stay comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. maximizing that opportunity. And then it's like those, those little shifts, like just asking those little three questions you suggested, if they were to do that every time, like, wow, they'd probably come leaps and bounds in their bedroom activities or connection at least. Yeah. And if, if they have the mindset too, of what you mentioned, where it's like, you know, don't yuck someone's young. Like if we're open to hearing our partner out, like that's really all we need, right? Like mm-hmm. we need to hear each other out and we need to ask each other questions and, you know, and it keeps things sexy because especially in long-term relationships, like if you just get an autopilot, you know, it's like, if you're stagnant, you're going backwards almost kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. you have to be um, mixing it up. I mean, obviously there's expected seasons. I'm an an insatiable person. So I'm always like trying to the next thing. That's like a personality thing though. I'm pretty sure people are like, how do I get my sex drive as high as yours? I'm like, it's a personality disorder. Like it's not, (laughs) it's just who I am, but I don't know. I think that uh, you gotta be intentional or else it will you'll get in that autopilot or it'll get, even if you're fucking a lot, like you're like, we both fuck plenty of times a week, but it gets the same. It'll get routine and I'll know exactly what he's going to do. I'll know exactly what positions we're going to get in. And then you just start to not like the sex you're having. Mm -hmm. So you don't want, what are you, what is your way of switching it up? Like, since you do have a high sex drive, um, I tell him, I just tell him, you just tell him. Yeah. Like an example of like what you said. I'm probably not as like, I should sugarcoat a little more if I was giving women advice because men have egos, they do. And, and I feel like you want to 
be respectful. Always you want to be respectful. You respect should be mutual, but I think I'm just comfortable with him enough to tell him because we've been together eight years, which I know to a, like a married couple that's been married forever. They'd be like, shut the fuck up. But I feel like it's felt like a lifetime with children. (laughs) And I just will say, Hey, this doesn't really, you know, this, or I would more so give guidance. Like we should try this. Let's do this instead of being like, you don't do this enough or you are like making it about what he's not doing and the lack, lack, lack. It's like, let's try this. I'm curious about this. Isn't this hot? Or I'll just mix it up how I flirt. I can change the ways or bring back some stuff. Like I haven't sent a nude in a while. Then you'll start sending some nudes every day for a while. I don't know, kind of just mix it up so you're not the same girl all the time. Depends how kinky you are too. Some people, like some married people swing. Some married people like to dress up as other people and pretend they're the firefighter and the girl burning in the building. You know, there's all, there's all kinds of ways people can take it. But I think from vanilla to even the weirdest kinky, you can have a good sex life, right? Because it's relative. It's if you two are content, then great. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you want to, if you're getting bored with it, then it's a matter of, you know, like you said, like, look at it, you're you know, yourself, like, what can you do to feel like a different girl? Like, I like how Mm. you word it that way, where it's like, there's different like sexual versions of us, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. There's the more kinky version of us. There is the vanilla version of us, the passionate loving version of us. So it's like, if we think about it in terms of like, we have all these roles that we get to play whenever we want and we're in control of them, then, you know, it's, it's, probably better way to look at it as like, all right, it doesn't have to always be the same. And it's up to me to switch it up if I want to. So I think a lot of us forget we have control and like power over this stuff and it doesn't have to be monotonous. Like we can make it. And knowing that power and like feeling empowered is sexy in itself. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. that combined energy, I think another, and you know, I don't know the answer when people share, I have an unwilling spouse or I have someone who like, They have no desire to go on this journey with me. I know there are some people that are like, you know, nothing is ever hopeless. And I hate to be pessimistic, but I feel like if someone's unwilling, then at what point do you say like walk or I I deserve to find something that does prioritize my pleasure? Because I do think that it is a basic need, in my opinion, maybe someone else would disagree, but I think sex is high up on that list. And I also hear people say that their significant other might make them feel like that's too much of a need. And I think that that has more to do about them and their own sexual shame and like the limiting beliefs they have around sexuality and not about the person who feels like comfortable sexually expressing themselves. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Can you talk more about like limiting beliefs around sex? Around sex? Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, gosh, we could go like really deep into it. I mean, it depends on your belief system, but I guess I believe, I think a lot of us, it's 2023. We talk about this stuff all the time now about, you know, we're products of our environment and how we were shaped. Maybe, you know, how we grew up, what we experienced could shape that internal dialogue around everything around everything around how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem, your self-worth. 
And then that like bleeds over into sexuality. And so I know we're all different and have different experiences, but they shape us in ways of like how good and confident we feel, I guess, to be able to express ourselves. For instance, maybe giving an example would make that easier to explain. Say you grew up like really religious, like my my in-laws are Mormons. And so my husband, who is not a Mormon, grew up in a church and I'm not hating on any group. I'm just sharing an experience that he had because uh, some of the nicest people I know, I've met the kindest LDS people ever, but they believe things that I but they he would go to this church and he would be asked, like, do you touch yourself? And that's a sin. And and like I've I think many people have shared these experiences growing up, maybe religious, that they felt like it was a bad thing, a bad thing to touch themselves or to and when really it's like so normal and natural, like your little hormones are just raging everywhere and you're just discovering your body parts. You don't know what you're doing, right? When kids like are, are first exploring their private parts, they don't know what they're doing. They're just like touching and learning. I remember just touching and it would make me fall asleep. So like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know, I didn't know today. why I was doing it. It was just like automatic. Like <laughs> so I would be like, I can't sleep, but that helped. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. You don't know. You have no idea. I think I, I realized when in sixth grade, we were all like reading definitions and I was like, Oh, that's what I'm doing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I do that, (laughs) No, but I think, and growing up, your parents are like weirded out. Right. When you think of your kids, you're like, (laughs) like I have boys, I don't want to fight, you know, you think about finding it and you're just like, but I will not do what my parents did. They bless them. They didn't know that that was instilling shame, but it definitely made me feel like, oh, I'm doing something yucky or I'm doing something wrong. So I think just little things like that. Some people have like much more extreme. Some people have experienced abuse or trauma that has completely, you know, put them in a shell or whatever, and they have to spend their whole life or a, or a good chunk, not their whole life. That was horrible. They have to spend a good chunk. Like sometimes, Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a journey, right? You don't like ever reach like pure, like I'm perfect and healed and nothing will go wrong again, but they have a lot of work to do to like strip away the shame around their sexual being. So was that too deep, too intense? Yeah, no, that was good. I mean, I think everyone can relate to like, you know, I, I like to remind people that everyone has their sex problem that they're dealing with, you know, like none of us are always 100% of the time, like sex is always amazing and incredible and sexy and kinky, like always. (laughs) Oh, I think I like sex a lot because it's a form of validation for me. Like if I'm being really honest to me, it feels like I love you equals sex. So that's something I have to work on. Like the, where does that root come from? Why does that, why does that have such a weight? Like it's something externally I seek to be okay. You know what I mean? That isn't healthy. I think you just have to have self-awareness. I'm not in denial about that, but people will often, I've had listeners maybe romanticize like, oh, you must be, you know, just having the best sex because you host a podcast talking about it. And it's like, 
no, I'm just a human being too. I just like talking about it because we need to. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you get that. I get that a lot too. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I get a lot of like, you must be the kinkiest best in bed ever. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, can we just like, lower those expectations? Cause my boyfriend's listening. And <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I know. I'm like, don't listen. My husband doesn't listen. He's like, you talk a lot. And I don't know if like on the way to work, I want to like keep hearing you talk. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. <laughs> totally get it. I don't want to hear yeah. your podcast. I'm just kidding. No, I get it. I know. Yeah. Sometimes my boyfriend would be like, oh, I listened to your episode today. I'm like, can you not? <laughs> yeah. Please oh. don't turn that one on. No, I like that he doesn't. Don't. I can talk shit about him a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like for me, um, and I think I want to start doing this more like on social media and whatnot, like as I'm, as I'm sharing and even on my podcast, just like stressing the fact that like I have struggles too. And that, you know, even if someone is really comfortable talking about sex or even if they really love sex, like they still will have problems in their relationship sexually. Like they'll still face their own sexual challenges. 100%. You know, like it's never just, it's never all rainbows. It's like, you know, me and my, me and my boyfriend, we have had a lot of sex and because we've had a lot of sex, we've had a lot of sex concerns or problems we had to go through and like talk through. And, you know, it doesn't mean that those will come up in a great relationship. And like, what a great foundation to build your relationship on being able to have to overcome. Like he must feel such a safe space with you knowing that like, wow, I can, we're totally a team in this because being a team together is different than being, there are couples that have been made 15 years that find podcasts like this. And they're like, we just are trying to figure out how we can communicate and be like this, which is really cool. And I'm happy that they discover these resources, but yeah, yeah, if you're new in a relationship, like this is the foundation work you want to lay down for sure. Yeah. And I'm really, I am really thankful for that. And I'm thankful that he stressed the importance of becoming best friends before we did go into a serious relationship. Like if you don't have a solid friendship where there's trust Mm. and there's comfort, those conversations become so much more difficult because they're so much more awkward and like, there's so many many of them. I I feel like society is that that's changing. I feel like because we're talking about it more and I think relationships are just kind of changing, uh, as a whole. And I think there's pros and cons to, to that, but I think that I definitely do notice that sounds ageist, but I do notice like from my listeners, when, when you can see like, okay, we got married, we, they grew up and they're like, we got married at 18 popped out babies. Just like, that was what they did, how they were raised, what their parents did, what they were taught to do. I mean, I'm 33 and I, my mom, I literally thought being a stay at home mom sounded like the gig to have. And my mom was like, you'll want more. You'll want more. You should go for more. And I lived in like a like a bubble, like a Stepford Wives community, like Desperate Housewives, the TV. Like I lived in that and I just thought like, stay at home mom, like that is the way, like that is what I need to do. I need just someone to take care of me and I can just do, and my mom told me you won't be fulfilled. I didn't believe her. I didn't didn't believe her, but really I had to find out on my own that it's like, that's what I did. I I got married and I felt like I felt taken care of. And then I had a baby and I was like, okay. And I'm like, I'm not happy still. Like I, I want something for me because it's always giving out to other people and where's what I like to do. So 
Mm. I don't even know the last question you asked me. Yeah, I don't remember either. But I like where that I like where that goes because what you're saying is making me think of how guys are so obsessed with like the woman when it comes to Mm. sex in in, you the heterosexual men that I work with and their female partners. Like they forget what's in it for them. They forget what pleasure is like for them. And sex, sex itself is never really like fulfilling because it's like you know, it's just always for her. And then she's not like loving it or talking about it all the time or wanting or it all the time. It. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah. like, I, when I remind guys to like, look at sex from like, if it was pleasurable for you and you were focused more on your own pleasure, then what would sex look like? And that yeah. always tends to make them better communicators. Their dick mm-hmm. issues are resolved. You know, it's like cool. when they focus, when they actually have something like, that they're looking for in sex besides just her reaction, then uh-huh. it's, they stop obsessing over her reaction and they start thinking more in terms of pleasure. And when oh, a guy starts thinking better. more in terms of pleasure, he starts to provide more actual pleasure. So mm-hmm. I find it really yeah. important. That's good. Yeah. That's focus. good. I think that if you, if a couple or anyone listening, they challenge themselves to just be as present as possible and like tap into their five senses during sex and do what felt good instead of what looked good or like performatory. Mm -hmm. I know porn kind of gets us all fucked up where we think like, because that's so hot and visually pleasing, you think that that's what it needs to look like. And like, she's probably not even that comfortable. You know what I mean? She's probably like, she, it's probably not it. (laughs) So do it feels good. Not what you just think looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find that a lot of men at least, um, they, they don't really know what feels good. They're like, well, sex feels good. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, but like what other, like yeah. what parts of your body feel good to be touched or licked or like more than a dick. Yeah. 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 Like it's more than your dick. Like when are the, like, you got to realize it's more than your dick. You know, I feel like and the size Stop it. and some of them have shame, right? Some of them think like some guys are like, don't go near my butthole. That's gay. I think that yeah. it, I don't think anyone says that anymore, but they used to. I'm hoping. Oh no, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who say that. I get that all the time. Bummer. You're missing out. You're missing out so much. I'm like, you know, that many, is, you know how many nerve endings are in the anus? Like it just <laughs> it makes be a good time. If they could just let their partner go down, like give your man head and play with his little taint region, graze the butthole, and then kind of just work your way. I mean, you don't have to go right for going in it. You could externally stimulate around there. And I bet he would have a grand old time without you ever having to enter him. So maybe y'all can try that. Yeah. I encourage (laughs) that too, to just try, like, you don't have to, it doesn't mean you need a dildo up there. Like it just, yeah, you're not pegging him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or do. (laughs) just like, yeah, just bringing touch to different areas. Cause that's the only way you really learn your body. And I think a lot of sexual problems, in fact, I know a lot of sexual problems, um, especially for guys like premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, they can't ever orgasm. Like it's, they can't, it comes from a lack of awareness of arousal. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. not really sure about their own bodies and it's causing a lot of anxiety. And they're just like, I should be able to just do this, you know, like versus I I probably should explore so that I know, you know, so that I feel in control of doing what I want to do, you know, instead it's like this 
this is how I should be performing instead of let me like figure myself out. Let me pay a little learn your body. Yeah. Yeah. I did that when you were saying that it made me think of a, of an episode I did about masturbation and I was talking about the dudes and the girls because a lot of, there's a lot of guy listeners on my show. And it was, uh, I was talking about premature ejaculation, actually, I think. And how one of the tips was to, when you masturbate and you're like practicing edging to do it in a way where you're simulating sex, not like you're in front of the computer screen with your headphones and your bottle of lotion or lube or whatever. And you're just like going to climax. You're just sitting there to nut. And instead you would want to like get in bed and get present kind of like where you would be if you were fucking your girl and take your time. Like I love solo session and like setting the atmosphere and being like, I'm going to have a whole moment. Like I'm going to have, a, I'm going to learn something new about my body. I, maybe that's Next not two a hours or for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are my time. I feel like if guys took that approach, gosh, y'all would come so far in such a short amount of time could be very beneficial. Yeah. I like that. I like that because especially during masturbation, um, yeah, most guys are just like the, the sole purpose is like, just come and be done with it. Right. And like, and then they're doing that to girls. Yeah. Yeah. That carries over that premature ejaculation mindset, you know, is just carried over Mm -hmm. with the partner and it continues to happen. And I think there's a lot of guys that feel and I just, I just say guys, cause you know, that's all who I talk to. Um, but there's a lot of guys who feel like a discomfort exploring their body. So they do want to just get it over with because they're like, yeah. what else am I going to do? Like, um, and that translates to them not being the best lovers because then they're with mm-hmm. a woman and it's all just about pounding her really quick and then being done. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. there's no other part of the sexual experience, which is, you know, saddening because there's so much there that you could work with if you choose to. And it, Right. Not, it's not as rewarding. And it's like, it could be a win-win. It could be a win for you and a win for her. And now it's a lose-lose and it all comes from, I mean, unfortunately it sounds corny, but it does come from that like self-worthy like part of us where we feel like worthy of that experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. Worth is a big thing. Um, Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that that. all plays into the limiting beliefs and like who we are as a person. And I'm sure there's people that listen to your podcast that are like super sexually confident and you help them like be a better lover. And then there's people that are like needing, like wanting what you have to offer and like Mm -hmm. desperate for that. I noticed that like some listeners, maybe I haven't had sex in five years and I'm like, how are you listening to the podcast? If we talk about sex all the time, I like, I would be so upset listening to this podcast, but it's people, the people desperately want to know how they can get out of the rut they're in. So I'm glad they have resources like these. Yeah, I am too. And I, I really try to stress, like, I really try to help people with actions they can take because, you know, that's what diminishes the anxiety is like, okay, what's the next step? You know, let's, don't just, you can't like think yourself in a circle. You got to actually ask yourself, all right, what do I want right now? What's like the baby step I can take towards that direction? Kind of like, how can I start with where I'm at? So anyone listening to this show right now, like what's your baby step? Think about like the easiest thing you can do that you haven't done yet. And those tiny little, even if it's like tiny, you think, I feel like they add up to like a big shift. It gains momentum. Yeah. And then conversations become easier and trying new things become easier, you know, like 
to go from, I, I talk about going from zero to 100, especially guys who were like, I want to stick it in her butt, but she like, <laughs> no, she wouldn't let me. And I'm like, okay, if she's never had to even touch yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if you've never even rubbed her asshole and you think you're just going to go and like fuck her with your if dick. I do that to his asshole. He probably would say no. <laughs> so treat her asshole. Like you treat, if she's letting you in, treat it like you would treat yours. Okay. Yeah. Put a lot of Uber lube on and just leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. But like, just bring it back to the smallest steps, right? Like if you never talk about sex ever, Next time you have sex afterwards, say, Hey, I really liked when you a and B, you know, yeah. just start there. You don't even need a response. Just start by like you practicing putting it out there, putting it out, putting there. it out in the universe and letting it do its thing. Cause sometimes I know that your wife or your husband or your significant other might not be responding, but they heard you like, and mm-hmm. they're, and they're processing. So say it, don't keep it in. That's a really great point. Like you may think they're just, it went over their head, but like they're internalizing it and they, mm-hmm. they're more likely to say something back next time. Right. Or show you even show you next mm. time in the bed. So hopefully fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I know you have to run. Um, but I wish oh. I didn't, I no, have a kiddo, I <laughs> but you, I would love if you came on the horny housewife at some point and we could have a conversation again. Yeah, we should do like a part two and have it on your show. Yeah, we should. I think we have similar demographics. So I think the men would love that. Oh, awesome. If you can leave one piece of advice, like your best go-to advice that would speak to men, um, what would you leave them with? Mm, In particular to men. Okay, I would say timing and delivery on all of the things you wish to communicate about sex. So if you're married or even, even if you don't have children, I think like men are on these everyday cycles where y'all get a good clean slate every day. And when us hormonal women are on like 28 day cycles. And I think that noticing and being thoughtful when you deliver what you want with your message sexually is really, really important. And you can get the most out of it. And then when you do have that physical intimacy time to not be so the point of the sex is to get it in and then to finish. And I think maybe you have a routine, maybe you eat her out and finger her first, and then you fuck her and she comes, whatever your routine is. I suggest that every man give the next time a total new swap up, like a total new, I'm going to kiss her. We're going to make out for a while, just something to show that you give a fuck and that maybe you want to switch it up and then have them listen to podcasts like these together. Love it. Awesome advice. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank <laughs> I was you like, you caught me off guard. So I'm like, I'm sure there's a million, a million advice. I hope that that was helpful a little bit. No, that was definitely good. That was, that was really good. And something that I could speak more on. So I'm glad that you brought it in. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And we'll talk soon on the next show. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, Your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.